Houston, we have a podcast. Welcome to the official podcast of the NASA Johnson Space Center, Episode 4, Space Food. I'm Gary Jordan, and I'll be your host today. So this is the podcast where we bring in the experts, NASA scientists, engineers, astronauts, all the coolest people that tell you all the coolest parts about NASA. So today we're talking about space food with Takia Sermons. She's a food scientist here at the NASA Johnson Space Center in Houston, Texas. And we had a great discussion about the science behind what astronauts eat, what it is, how they make it, and how they have a long shelf life, and uh, what happens to an astronaut's palate after living in space for several months. So with no further delay, let's go light speed and jump right ahead to our talk with Dr. Takia Sermons. Enjoy. T-minus five seconds and counting. Mark. Launch commit light search for the red. There she goes. Houston, we have a podcast. Okay, well, Takia, thank you so much for taking the time to come here today and talk about space food. This is one of my favorite topics because it's space food, right? You're, you're like, it's when you think about astronauts, you think about what do they eat in space, and then you have all of these preconceived notions about what they eat in space. And so I thought, first of all, I think we should start the episode before we even get into anything by just debunking a couple myths, right? So debunk those myths. Let's debunk it right <laughs> off the bat. Did NASA invent Tang? NASA did not invent Tang. See. <laughs> Tang was already in existence. It was um, created in the late 50s by a company called Mission Foods. Okay. And we flew it in the early 60s when we were trying to figure out our food system. So John mm. Glenn tasted Tang in space. Yeah. And um, it boosted its popularity. And ever since then, it's been synonymous with the space program. Yeah. But we did not create it. We just purchased it, repackaged it, and then sent it into space. See, I feel like that's just always one of those things that people always bring up, though, right? They always say, oh, Tang, that's such a, that's a NASA a thing and I guess they, they just got kind of tied together for whatever reason but they did use Tang because we, we, we did use Tang and we still a, use Tang we still use Tang really? until today but we did not invent it we did uh, not okay. <laughs> it's just because of that rehydratable or that, the idea that you don't have to ship up these bags of water you can just ship up bags of powder yeah and powdered flavor essentially it. so it's already yeah. convenient you just put it into the beverage package and you add water to it and yeah. you have a great flavored beverage and it worked we don't try to reinvent the wheel here and we mm-hmm. had a product that was on the market that was great so we just sent it so all right <laughs> cool all right there's one more uh that at least comes to the top of my head and you might be able to add a couple more but astronaut ice cream Oh, astronaut ice cream. That's been (laughs) plaguing the food lab for a long time now. So um, the ice cream that you see in the novelty stores Mm -hmm. with the strawberry, vanilla, chocolate swirl, um, we have never sent anything that is remotely like that. That's um, what I thought. Yeah. Back in the Apollo days, we sent ice cream one time, oh. and it was in the the cube form. So if you think back to tube and cube days, it was a pressed food substance that was coated, so it didn't have a lot of crumbs. Interesting. And that flew one time um, on the request at the request of an astronaut, and it hasn't flown since. No one else has requested <laughs> it after that. Um, from time to time, the astronauts get ice cream. Um, if mm. there is a, a science experiment that requires refrigeration or fr- or, or a freezer on the way back, yeah, um, we will. Load it up the empty unit with ice cream or if it's plugged in if it's powered up okay and they'll get ice cream single serve ice cream every once in a while but it's very (laughs) it's very very rare 
Um, only other time that they may have had ice cream was during the Skylab days. Oh, okay. And that's because we had refrigeration and a freezer on that particular particular vessel. That so, makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Oh, th- well, I feel I feel like those astronauts should consider themselves real lucky because they get the they are the few that actually get to have it sometimes. Every once in a while. Ice cream in space. <laughs> so cool. Okay, so it's it's nice to see you again after the Super Bowl thing that we did. Yeah, that's that the was, last time we got together. Yeah, exactly. It was so fun. That was um, So they had Super Bowl Live downtown, and NASA just came up and did like a culinary event, and we talked about food science. Yeah. We talked about, you know, what's what we have to do different. It's Because it wasn't really a cooking show. It was like, this is what this is what NASA does. Even though we were preparing meals and having everyone sample them, yeah. it, was, it was pretty cool. And there is, that. That's, that's you're, not, you're not considered chefs, right? You're considered food scientists because there's a whole different mindset when it comes to food and space, right? Yeah, so you're you're taking a product that everyone is used to, everyone's familiar with food. Food is very important. We of course. Is, our emotions are tied to food and oh, you're yeah. getting it to last for an extended period. And mm-hmm. so I think that's where the beauty of this profession comes in. You're solving problems with an everyday product that you, you need, you need for life. So. so is that is that kind of the main purpose of, of space food? Is is your job to make the food last as long as possible or is there is there more to that? Well, there's a nutrition co- component, obviously. Obviously. So okay. we, um, it's a prepackaged food system. So mm-hmm. um, imagine if you were on a diet plan and the only thing that you could have is what a company sent you in a box. Uh-huh. You know, you need to make sure that it's nutritionally sound, mm-hmm. that the calories are balanced, and that it tastes good. Because if you've eaten the same product for over, I want to say, six months or so, you're going to get tired of it. So yeah. that's where we come into place. We want to have foods that are nutritious, right. that offer a wide variety, but they are also appetizing at the same point. And it's a really delicate balance. A lot of people think that, oh, it's just food, you can just make it. But it's a, a lot of moving parts that go into making space food so. yeah yeah there's there there really are so uh, like let's just go right into okay. it right so so space food why the, why are we talking now about space food mm-hmm. versus just you know they, they don't do they have a kitchen up in up in the international space station right now how what what is different about space food like the the overall concept of it well the difference is that it's already prepared for you so most of the oh. foods that they have um it's a Prepackaged food system, like I said before. Yeah. So we do all of the cooking and all of the processing here on Earth. Oh. We send it up, and they can either reheat it in the case of thermostabilized products, which I guess we'll get into in a minute. Sure. And then they'll add water to our re- rehydratable products. And okay. so all of the cooking and all of the preparation has been done for them. They just need to um, prepare it in that moment, how they're going to eat it, and then if they want to remix the foods in any ways, then they have the opportunity to do that. But it's um, there's no room for a kitchen. Um, they uh-huh. have a food preparation area yeah. where they can um, make the meals and then eat them on the go. Mm-hmm. And they also are very limited in the amount of time that they have. So anything, anything that we give them, they have to be able to heat up in about 15 minutes or so and then go on to the next task. So it's yeah. not enough enough time in a day for them to actually cook foods. Right. They have like, a, what are they allot? Like an hour for, for like lunch? But they don't even allot too much time. They allot some... Um, some time in the beginning and end of the day, mm-hmm. but not really like uh, they, they. I think they allow like tw- uh, an hour for lunch. Yeah, yeah. So that's pretty much it. Like, it's a really, really tight window. So yeah. I mean, if you want to just eat and relax during that time, you don't have the time to actually prepare the food. So. Makes sense. Okay, so it's not ingredients-based packaging. It's meal-based packaging. It, it is meal-based packaging. Yeah. So we um, we package um, entrees separately, mm-hmm. and then we have a number of side dishes, a number of snacks, a number of desserts, and they can pick and choose from any menu of items that they want or any variety of items that they want. So, so they pick and choose. Um, all the time or do they have like uh, specific like 
you know, for on this day, you're going to eat this for lunch. So they don't have like meal planning. No. So we, we okay. put together what's called a standard menu. Okay. And it's a it's basically an ex- a suggested menu that will get them to the amount of calories that they need per day. Uh. But when they eat, it's prepared pantry style. So we'll send up mm. a container that has X amount of side dishes, X amount of entrees, X amount of vegetables, oh. and they can pick from those containers. Okay. Um, we only ask that they open one container at a time. And so that's how we know if the inventory is getting low. We just assume that they've eaten everything in that container once it's open. Got it. Yes, it helps so. you keep track. So mm-hmm. you can, okay. But we, we don't mandate that they eat according to a certain menu. Um, mm-hmm. We've tried that in the past, and we've seen that it doesn't necessarily work. Mm-hmm. Um, the only time that they have to eat according to a specific menu is if they're participating in a, um, in a nutritional study. So mm-hmm. um, they're tracking the actual foods that they have and how their bodies react to that. That's the only time, but that's never the entire du- duration of their stay. Yeah, they have, they have experiments like that, right, where they're actually doing sort of like meal planning. Correct. They have yeah. shorter duration experiments, and yeah. during that time, we'll track exactly what they eat and have to eat according to that menu. But uh-huh. outside of that, they just kind of grab what they want. So okay, so that's for what they do for the most part. They for the just, most part, yeah, they're just going in and having whatever they feel like having yeah. that day. Yeah, I, I know. Uh, so so Peggy has uh, you know she got her mission extended, and she's um and she's uh, starting to get to that point where she's there up there for a long time <laughs> and starting to you know there, there's the menu can only be so big, so right, you're gonna right. have like and I know she what was her favorites that she just mentioned uh, 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 chicken was a chicken fajitas I okay. think was her, her favorite so um, yeah but you know you obviously have your favorites and things that are good but then you're gonna have you, you can't please everyone right it's just like it's just like any food at home right so you just everyone has their preferences everyone so. has their preference and after a while they start remixing meals we make a, a mac and cheese product and we make a chili product and you can mix them together and make chili, chili mac, mac and, and cheese, cheese you know and they Beautiful. do that all the time if you're eating the same thing for six months you're like okay I gotta find a new way to, yeah. to develop this product so yeah so okay, so they you open up some containers and and you, like you said you they're they're pantry based organizations so you have like your snacks pa- package and and you have everything so so how are the meals and you you hinted at this before like thermostabilized is one way of packaging a meal right so it's one way of preserving a food preserving. product so okay. um everything that we send to the international space station it has to be shelf stable okay. um we don't have refrigerators we don't have freezers we only had that for mm. a s- short period of time during Skylab days and that was like our early stab at a space station type vehicle right um right now we don't have the the power to support um those type of preservation so refrigerators or um, freezers so everything is shelf stable um meaning that we we have to preserve the foods before we send them on earth so Mm. the primary methods are thermal stabilized which is um essentially um canning but in a flexible pouch so if you've seen MRE pouches that the military uses. Meals yeah, ready meals to ready eat. to eat. They're yeah. just like these uh, brown square, uh, rectangular packages. Yeah, yeah. so we, we use the same technology. Okay. It's um, basically a canning system, so a giant pressure cooker. You kill any bacteria um, using heat as well as pressure. And um, okay. the thermo stabilized. Yeah, okay. thermo is coming together. <laughs> yeah, it's stable through thermal processing. There you go. <laughs> and so um, uh, about half of our foods are produced that way, and then other foods are produced via freeze drying. And I think most people are familiar with freeze dried foods. Right. Yeah. Um, you basically pull all the moisture out of a food product mm-hmm. so that nothing can grow. Yeah. And um, those products are great because they're lightweight. We're able to pack more into our um, containers because they don't uh, weigh as much. And all they have to do is add the water back when they get to the space station. So. Nice. Is there a benefit to doing one versus the other for particular foods? Um, so it depends on the food product. Some can't um, withstand the um, the processing for thermal processing. Um, so oh. um, say if you have a product that has a lot of cheese in it, you have a lot of negative effects when you apply that high of a temperature to it so those do better when you freeze dry them and okay. so um we sometimes we can try the foods both ways and you'll see whichever one comes out better 
Okay. It just depends on the food product. Nice. Okay, so for so, so for the rehydratable ones, I'm guessing so since the thermostabilized are MRE, you can technically just rip over the package and start eating, right? Mm-hmm. You but, just heat them up and they eat them. So, oh, they, so they do have the ability to heat them up. Yeah, they have a, a small food warmer on station that they can put their pouches into. It doesn't uh, okay. get terribly hot, but I mean, it's warm enough so that you can enjoy it. <laughs> uh, okay, so it's like the space version of, I guess, a microwave, but just not as fast, maybe? Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so, so for the freeze-dried ones, that one, they actually have to rehydrate, right? They have to stick it in a machine that gives it water, and then what, do they let it sit for a while? Correct. They have a okay. um, rehydration station on station, or rehydration station um, on nice. the, on ISS, <laughs> and um, we, on all of our food products, we tell them how much water they need to add, whether or not it's room temperature or it has to be warm water. They'll oh. inject the product, and it rehydrates within 10 to 15 minutes. Again, they don't have a lot of time to wait for their project products to rehydrate, and then um, they can put it into food, food warmer if they want it warmer, or they can put it into a small chiller if they want it cool oh. and then they're able to eat, enjoy the product that way nice so it takes a little bit longer to prepare than the thermal stabilized products but i think the quality sometimes is a lot better interesting mm-hmm. okay yeah because i guess it goes through okay i guess the process of that makes it actually taste better right? well the Maybe? texture is preserved a little texture. bit if you imagine okay. just cooking something uh, basically cooking it to death versus something where you you pull the water out pull the water out and then you add it back into the same place it's a slightly better texture oh okay see these are just things like I, you know I'm, I'm thinking like regular food like cooking over a pan I just you know you don't normally think about this stuff but okay so I've seen that machine before that they use to rehydrate their their meals and it's, it's kind of cool they have a dial like you said they can put a certain amount of liquid into it so mm-hmm. however many milliliters it takes to rehydrate that particular food yep. so what what foods um, take a little bit more water than others and why um, it depends. Um, products that have, obviously, if you have more of a food product in a package, it's going to take slightly more water. Okay. Um, depending on if there's sugar in the product or not, um, that may not have, that may not require as much water to rehydrate. Mm-hmm. Um, they also adjust the amount of water that they put in. So we might do our testing on Earth and say, hey, you need 75 milliliters. Um, they may not like their water, that their food that watery. So they'll just oh. dial it back a little bit. So it just really depends on the product and pre- preferences once they get in the space. Yeah. So I guess they just learn from experience and that kind of instance where it's just like, oh, that one was a little bit too watery for me. Maybe next time I'll use the same thing because it was good, but just a little bit less water. Yeah. And um, it it takes a couple of times to, I guess, learn the product. Nice. So so you work in the food lab, so I'm assuming you've tried a a bunch of the different meals. So what are the food? (laughs) Yeah. So what are some of your favorites? Um, I really like the meatloaf. Um, I think it's really flavorful. It's better than the meatloaf that I make at home, which I don't know if that's saying (laughs) saying a lot. Um, I'm really fond of anything sweet. So the dessert category, I'm always dipping in a dessert category. Um, We have chocolate pudding cake, lemon curd cake, cherry blueberry cobbler. So those are probably some of my favorites. I've tried the cherry blueberry cobbler. That one is really good. (laughs) Really good. Um, Anything sweet, I think, is yeah. (laughs) So I know, but in space, I think it's a little bit different because I guess there's something where where the astronauts over time start to lose, I guess, a little bit of their taste sensitivity. So they start to enjoy spicier foods, but is there a reason for that? So the 
the perception of taste changes a little bit. Um, oh. Number one, they're in microgravity, so um, there's a fluid shift. And so it's kind of like eating with a head cold. There's still uh. flavor there, but everything is muted. And so, so um, the preference okay. for spicy foods is because you can always taste spicy foods. It gives you a little bit more kick. Mm-hmm. And so um, we always provide a variety of condiments. They have pepper on station, not in a powder form, but it's um, not in a granulated form, I'm sorry. Um, it's dissolved in an oil, so oh. they can squeeze a drop and touch it to the product, and they can spice up their foods. Um, we oh. have a number of hot sauce. Hot sauce is always on the menu, different kinds of I hot sauce. I love hot sauce. I would bring so much hot sauce if I went up to Oregon. Well, you live in Texas, so that's understandable. <laughs> yeah. So um, a lot of hot sauce to spice up their foods. Um, one of the favorites is shrimp cocktail. Okay. Because it's a, it has a spicy kick in it. And um, I guess anything... Yeah, spicy. Anything spicy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So how about sweet? Is sweet a little bit enhanced or, or is is the sweetness muted so they add more sugar or something like that? They don't. I've not heard that they add more sugar and I okay. haven't had very many um, complaints about sweet products. I think hmm. it comes down to a preference. If you like sweet yeah. products before you go into space, you'll still have a sweet tooth when you go into space and vice versa. So. Oh, okay. Wait, does, pre- does preference change at all? I've heard that preference does change. So um, before any crew member goes into space, they sit down with our dietitian and we have one dietitian on staff okay. who essentially shows them the entire menu so they'll work their way through all 200 different menu items that sounds like a great day <laughs> a great day but they do it over several days so they'll oh, okay. came maybe four different times they'll have lunch with us and it's just so that they know what to expect and they understand how the food is going to taste when they get into space uh-huh. um, or hopefully how it's going to taste when they get into space mm-hmm. um, they rate all the products and then items that are scored pretty high mm-hmm. um, we add those to their crew specific container which is essentially like a, a bonus container mm-hmm. it doesn't it's not it's separate from the standard menu so it's just for that particular crew member and we do that in case they really like one item and we don't provide enough of it in the in the standard menu Uh they can have some just for themselves and so um we've heard that they um come in to evaluate foods and they score it really high and then when they get in a space they're like oh i don't want this product anymore so really it's it's really hard to accommodate that wow (laughs) that would that would stink if you had if you like really enjoyed one item and you're like uh, for example like the the cherry blueberry cobbler Mm -hmm. and you're like oh that's my favorite dessert i'm gonna have like a bunch of that and then you put it in your personal and you take up all this space then you're like "Ah, i really don't want it i've had too much cherry blueberry cobbler yeah well i mean you you live and you learn yeah i guess (laughs) but they all they trade a lot of foods on space station so if you said Mm -hmm. that you wanted one product and it doesn't taste the same when you get in the space i'm sure someone else would like that product so mm-hmm. it works out usually so i mean beyond um you know pre- preparing i guess specifically for the international space station because that's where we're flying right now mm-hmm. you sit them down and you go through the whole menu and, uh, to select what they're going to have aboard but is there any other is are there any other processes before they go up where you are preparing in a sense preparing them for preparing either the meals or like how do you how do you get ready for that so do do you sit down with the dietitian and then select your meals and then you are busy preparing the that that food for the next couple months like what other steps are there you mean in the lab what yeah, do we prepare in the lab, yeah. oh so we um we keep inventory so like i said before all the food is packed according to category okay. and we ask that they just open one cat one container at a time per category so once they've opened it they'll scan it and we'll get a message saying hey they've opened their breakfast items, which means that that is no longer an inventory. So we'll, um, at that point, go and prepare more breakfast items in the lab and Uh, have them available for the next shipment. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. So it's more like you're you're watching what everyone's doing in orbit. It's not necessarily like, you know, they sit down and they're like, this is what I want, and then you're preparing their meals for their orbit specifically. No, 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 no. We don't do it that way because they eat according to a standard menu. Now, for their crew-specific containers, if it's something that we don't have on the menu, so say um, we send up granola 
granola bar is a generic form of granola bar. Okay. Um, if you have a certain brand that you're loyal to, we will go to the store and buy that brand for you as long as it's flight compatible, meaning that it doesn't have a lot of crumbs, it's not um, mm. very liquidy, it's not going to produce a lot of free liquid in space. Okay. Um, we'll, we'll repackage it and send it into space for you. So those items we will do on a, um, a case-by-case basis. If you say, you know, I really like this brand of chocolate granola bar, we will go yeah. and get that for you nice. and package it. All right. Okay. I'm trying to think of other things that I would probably want to package, uh, but I, I'm thinking of a lot of crummy stuff. So, And that's that's one thing they have to be wary of, right, is because crumbs are not good to have on orbit because right. they, I guess they fly around. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's, it's a closed environment. If it opens, if you don't eat it in space, it's going to float around and it's going to get stuck somewhere. If, yeah. it, if it gets stuck in your eye, it can get stuck in equipment. Um, we just don't know where it's going to land. So we right. try to avoid that. Um, we don't send chips into space for that reason, but you can have crackers. for. Oh, uh, okay. Because they're less crackers. Yeah. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. So I know another one is is bread, right? You can't you can't ship bread up because bread is is crummy and they instead they use tortillas right they have tortillas and we okay. have um one type of bread product that we send up and it's oh. an extended shelf life bread and <laughs> we purchase that and then we send it into space but um primarily when they want to have a sandwich or something on the go they'll use tortillas because it's, it's just really convenient yeah yeah so traditional bread that you find on the shelf we can't send that up um the shelf life isn't long enough and then it doesn't it, it produces too many crumbs all right so what else um what else has the Food Lab learned just from now that you've been flying in space, flying mm-hmm. food to space for so long? What have you sort of learned along the way, like like bread, for example, mm-hmm. thinking about crumbs? What else? What other things have you learned along the way and kind of adapted to the menu that you have now? Jeez, lessons learned yeah. from flying in space. I'd like to say that the the hardest thing to control is the the human factor of eating in space. So like I said before, um, we don't dictate what they eat in space because we've tried that in the past and it doesn't necessarily work. Because they just, they want to eat what they want to eat. Yeah, and I mean, that's a human factor that you can't control for. So you have people who are very, um, very brilliant people that are going into space, but there's a psychological component that goes along with um, eating. Mm. And when you eat something, it reminds you of home. There's comfort foods that you have. You can't always mandate what someone does or doesn't want to eat. And so I think that's been one of our, I guess our, Biggest lessons learned yeah. throughout so, the history of the So space I guess program. it's a lot of a lot of planning. Then is really what the lessons come down to. Is it, you're is you're trying to plan to to come up with something diverse, or or if someone wants something, you can deliver. You know, that right. kind of thing. And that's okay. been the driving um, force behind the food lab here at JSC. Mm-hmm. Um, we started from tube and cube days, and we were providing nutrition, but it wasn't very good. It wasn't very appetizing, and yeah. we learned quickly that you had to provide something that at least um, mimicked or um, resembled food here on Earth. And so um, that's what we've been doing since the beginning of the space program when we were um, allowing humans to eat in space is just trying to improve it and get something that's closer to what you would normally have here here on Earth. So Nice. So, I mean, working with um, space food and, and, and designing food that has to be nutritionally balanced for the astronauts, mm-hmm. what have you learned that you've taken into your personal life about food? Like just little tips and tricks that maybe us at home can can take into account. Just like, oh, maybe I should have, uh, you know, is I, I know there's a lot of fad diets out there, right? So people are, are, are eliminating carbohydrates and starting to eat more proteins mm-hmm. or, or something like that. Is there anything that you've learned just from, from, from uh, creating food for 
uh, astronauts on board? I would say that seasonings go a very long way. I was, um, prior to coming into the food lab, I seasoned everything with salt and pepper. Okay. And we had a large sodium reduction initiative in our food lab a couple years ago. Okay. Um, We were finding that the astronauts were having, um, some of the astronauts were having vision problems from having high blood pressure in space. And so so, um, we we reduced the the sodium sodium. to reduce Uh, blood pressure. And um, along with that, you had to reformulate a lot of your products and figure out different ways to seasoning to season them and um, don't underestimate the power of good seasonings um, right. and herbs and spices um, and so now in my personal life I season a lot more with those they're slightly more expensive but they go a lot uh, a further way than just salt and pepper so it's eliminating sodium from your diet well at least reducing well, not alu- eliminating uh, it. reducing it, it, and right, then right. seasoning them with different things other than salt yeah so in my personal life I've learned how to do that okay <laughs> all right that's a good one I'm gonna take that one back and I like I like putting salt and I'm the same way right I put salt and pepper yeah, on salt everything and everything on everything. yeah because <laughs> it's such a it's a good neutral seasoning and enhances the flavor of whatever you're eating without necessarily changing it. Right. And um, yeah, but I guess uh, that's a bummer because I really <laughs> like salt. Okay, you can have your salt. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so up on board, you know, you, they they're gonna have their preferences, right? We've been talking about right. this, but do they have uh, do they share meals, right? And um, and this is an international space station, right. so do they share internationally? So um, the U.S. provides about half of the food for the International Space Station, and then our international partners, primarily Russia, provides the other half of the foods. Okay. Um, the astronauts that come and evaluate foods in-house, they are U.S. astronauts, but um, it's not uncommon once they get into space to begin trading food with the Russians and vice versa. Oh, okay. So it's a lot of trading that goes on. It just kind of depends on their preference. If they see something they like, then, you know, they'll try it, and then they can um, they can request um, Russian food in their crew-specific containers if they really like an item. So Uh-oh. the next time we have a vehicle go up we can send those foods but um very common for them to trade foods amongst themselves because you get curious after a while yeah yeah yeah. what are you guys eating i want to know what that is so and they package theirs differently right Hmm. so you're talking about in the u.s we package thermostabilized we do the dehydrated uh or the what what did you say you said freeze-dried freeze-dried foods freeze-dried foods and they do theirs in in cans yeah they still use a can system which means that their food warmer is slightly different so um they have a um their food warmer allows you to drop the cans into a slot and they warm it that way. And, we, and our foods obviously don't fit in that um, particular configuration. So yeah, um, it's yeah. um, it's very different. Um, the one advantage to moving to a flexible pouch, which we use, is that it's a lot lighter. Mm-hmm. So you can send more food up. Oh. If it makes sense. Okay. Nice. La, la. Yeah, I do like that. It's it's you have it's something you have to think about, right? Especially when you're launching things to space, you got to make sure that weight is money, right? Yeah, so, weight, weight so, is money. Yeah, so you gotta you gotta reduce that, and that makes a lot of sense. Um, so uh, going back to the lab, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when you're, you're talking about sharing, but uh, you do have to prepare it, and you said that you're preparing. You, you realize the inventory <laughs> of what's on board, and then prepare it that way. What's that like? What does preparing entail? Like, are you are you making dish by dish and putting them in to packages like what's what's the process to get from a meal here on the ground packaged and ready to go shipped up to the International Space Station. So it's um, it's kind of a batch process. Um, okay. We'll make maybe 100 pounds of food, 80 to 100 pounds of food, um, depending on the process um, will determine how long it takes. So with um, thermostabilized foods, you'll make a large kettle and then you'll hmm. put the food into individual serving sizes. Okay. And so one of those flexible pouches is a serving of food. So say you take 160 grams, you'll package it, you'll seal it, and then you'll put the entire batch into a retort, which is basically a giant pressure cooker. Oh, okay. And that retort will run at a high temperature, high pressure for say an hour. 
and then you'll take all those packages out, inspect them one by one, and then they will be stored until it's time um, to send those. Okay. Um, for freeze-dried foods, the process is a little bit longer because it can take up to a week to remove all of that moisture in our freeze dryers. So the hmm. process starts about the same. You'll buy ingredients from the grocery store, you'll inspect all of the ingredients, make your batch of foods, and then you'll either um, freeze-dry them into individual servings or into one large pan. And then hmm. from there, you take the pan of product and then you'll put it into individual servings, package it, and then store it until you're ready to use it. So Quite it takes a, a long time. It's, yeah. a, it's a process. But, uh, it, you know, the, you have to do that, right? You can't, you got to make sure the food is, is going to be good when correct. you send it up, like both in terms of taste, obviously, but in terms of quality. Correct, correct. Yeah, okay. Um, so let's see. Uh, you talked about uh, shelf life. It's mm-hmm. one of the mo- more important things. So you're going through this process for a reason. It, it lasts a long time. Right. So uh, what what is a typical shelf life of space food? Um, again, it depends on the product. Um, we oh, okay. try to have an inventory that will last for at least six months. Six months. Um, six months on Space Station. Okay. Um, our thermostabilized foods, because of the processing, those can last from one year up to two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it can last beyond that, um, depending depending on what the product is. Um, but we definitely shoot for at least six months on Space Station. And that just allows us enough time to prepare more foods and then get another vehicle up. What, so what, what are the steps that need to happen to, to take it beyond that? Um, so if we needed to extend it beyond whatever shelf life we assigned it. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> we have a control set that we have on Earth. It's housed here at JSC. Okay. Um, anytime that we make a product and we package it, we'll pull a couple samples and keep them um, in storage here. And so um, if there's a situation where we have to extend the shelf life, we as a team will evaluate those products and make sure that it's still acceptable. So if I'm not going to eat it on Earth, I would never ask you to eat it in space. Makes so fair, um, we don't put them fair. through anything we're not willing to suffer through. So. <laughs> Uh, okay, so you, you prepare it to, to last that long. You've packaged it. You've gone through that whole process. What about getting it to space? How does, how does that happen? How, does, how do you get from the lab? Uh, and I guess how much do you put in a single cargo vehicle to get to, uh, to, get to space? Um, there, so there's no solid answer for that. It really oh, okay. depends on how much space is av- available on that vehicle hmm. and what the inventory looks like on ISS. So it's constantly changing. It's constantly changing. No vehicle has the same amount of weight um, Mm. put into that. Um, With that being said, um, we don't have our own vehicle that we use. We use um, commercial vehicles, so SpaceX and Orbital Now. um, Those will dock with the International Space Station. They'll unload the food and then um, they'll load up any trash or anything that needs to come back or experiments that need to come back. So we we don't send that on our our own. Uh, Okay. Yeah. But okay. So, So it changes just based on whatever you have. You can what is available on yeah, that? On yeah, that it's, it's all inventory driven. So whatever is available in space, um, that mm-hmm. will dictate what we make on Earth as well as what we package and what we send um, on the next vehicle. But I'm assuming you have plenty of food on the International Space Station, right? So they'll never, they, there's a very low chance that they'll actually run out. Yeah, they'll never be in a situation where they're running out of food. Yeah. They may not have all the variety that they like. <laughs> they might, might be down to peanut butter and something that they don't necessarily like, yeah. but um, they will never run out of food. It's um, it's set up so that they, they have a reserve of food at all times. All right. Right. Yeah. So, um, what's some of the more creative things you've seen astronauts astronauts do with the food? Because you said they are they're prepared in a way that that's just you can just heat them up and eat them as is because they're already meals. But are they adding stuff together and make? I mean, I, the chili mac and cheese sounds amazing. But it sounds what, amazing. Yeah. Um. Oh gosh. I guess they make a little bit of anything. Um, okay. We filmed. 
a video a couple of months ago where we had two astronauts come in and show us some of their treats, and I think I was the most blown away with the um, the space s'mores. So space the, s'mores. Space s'mores. Um, right. They had a a chocolate brownie. I want to say they put peanut butter paste and then cookies on the outside, and I was actually really impressed with the flavor of that. One. <laughs> so, and that's not anything that I would have thought of, but I guess right. if you're in space for six months and you're, you've been eating the same food, you kind of you know think of different ways of consuming. Wow, so. <laughs> if you're going to snack, you're in space, you're going to snack right, the, the, right. the space more. That sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so you know we've been talking a lot about um, the International Space Station, and it seems like you know we're, we're in a system where we're still we're learning, and, and you're learning how to do different things to make it as efficient as possible and it sounds like it's very efficient right mm-hmm. now the way that uh, food is, is delivered eaten the whole process it seems uh, but for for deep space what has to change and I'm assuming shelf life is at the top of that list but um, you know we've already brought down the weight so much with the with the uh, freeze drying capabilities but uh, what do we have to do to prepare for a mission to deep space and to Mars well you're right shelf life is our number one concern mm-hmm. um, we can make foods that last two years easily that's what we've been doing for the International Space Station mm-hmm. um, when you start talking about going to Mars you're looking at a five-year shelf life and that's because um, there have been talks of pre-positioning the food so we launch the food ahead of the crew the crew travels completes the mission and then we have to have food that will last to come back okay and so um no one has ever done a five-year shelf life um it's not something that's necessarily desired in industry because it doesn't make money the quicker you can turn products over um the better for a food company yeah and so um no one is really testing out to five years and so that's um that's been a challenge for us um not only not only quality wise but nutritionally Mm. um we have to make sure that vitamins are stable vitamins and minerals are stable through um, the entire duration of the mission so Hmm. that you don't have astronauts that are malnourished at the end of their stay on Mars, you know. So um, that's been a challenge. That's what we're looking at now. A lot of projects that we have starting now are looking at um, the shelf life of foods up to five years. So, I mean, you can can obviously store food for for long periods of time. What about uh, growing food? Is the food lab a part of any experiments where you're you're talking about planting vegetables or, or, or something like that and growing them in, in a different environment. Well, we're, we're not growing plants at the food lab. A lot of that work is housed out of Kennedy Space Center Kennedy, in Florida. Okay. And so um, they are growing um, different dwarf vegetables with the expectation that that would supplement the food system but not necessarily be the full menu. So uh. you still have to have a standard menu that will provide the core amount of calories. And then there's a certain amount of food that you can grow to increase that variety. Uh. And so we've partnered with them on a couple of their projects, um, mainly for the sensory component. So um, seeing whether or not those products taste good and whether or not consumers can tell the difference between a product that was grown in the greenhouse versus something that you would buy in the grocery store. Ah. And so we've, we've done a little bit of work with them on that. All right. Yeah. All right. That sounds awesome. <laughs> like yeah. They can have a salad in space. Yeah. Just for, <laughs> cut up some fresh tomatoes or something. But I mean, that goes a long way. If yeah. you haven't had a salad in a while, then you'd be very thrilled to have one. In that space, is so. true. They did something on International yeah. Space Station recently, right? Mm-hmm. The, the veggie experiment. The veggie experiment. They grew <laughs> some, some lettuce. And um, Scott Kelly and Chell Lindgren and uh, some of those guys actually got to taste it up, mm-hmm. in, up in orbit. And they said it tasted like arugula. Oh, okay. Arugula is aru- Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it'd be good for a salad, right? It would be man? great. Sprinkle a little arugula on... Uh, <laughs> Uh, either salad or I, I mean I'm imagining eggs Benedict right now I'm super <laughs> well, hungry we're not but, there yet yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one day one day one day uh, okay all right um, so is there is there anything that you've learned um, you know besides astro- uh, about astronauts just uh, 
anything new? I know taste buds maybe change, but um, is there anything that they've brought down with them from their experience on orbit that has kind of changed the way that, or maybe not exactly changed the way, but just added something to the way that you, you process food, make food, something like that? Um, I think the the preparation component has changed a little bit. We're constantly mm. getting feedback. Like we mentioned before, the amount of water that it takes to rehydrate a food item. We may get feedback that says, hey, when we were up there, it took more than 15 minutes, so you guys might want to look at your formula again. Oh. Or um, it didn't take that much water. I had to add water. So those are things that help us to improve the products for the next crew that goes up. And so we're constantly um, depending on astronauts for their feedback so that we can um, optimize any formulas that we have in-house. All right. Yep. Cool. All right. Uh, I just know from talking to d- different astronauts, it's just the, the, their experience with making food and eating food. And it's it's always visually just a cool thing to watch, mm-hmm. right? Because they a lot of them end up playing with, playing with your food. It's a very <laughs> cool thing to play with, right? They bring out the different colored candies. And, and then they, they flow. Yeah, and they flow and they're making water bubbles and, 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 and drinking that. Like what, I guess, is all the drinks, are all the drinks powdered? And then they have to rehydrate or it, Yes, every every drink that we send, whether uh, it's coffee, coffee with sugar, or mm. um, just a hint of lemon, it goes in a powdered form and then they add water to it. And all of our beverages have a clamp on them. So it's to prevent that bubble from floating around in space. But if you ah. want to play with your food, you just remove the clamp. And then over time, um, liquid will come through the star- straw and start to bubble at the top. So, there you go. Yeah. So yeah. We, um, the eating experience is very different. I think <laughs> you have to think more about it when you're in space just to make sure that you aren't making a mess everywhere. So. That's true. So, I mean, they that I, I should have asked about that, about just drinking. Just coming out of a pouch, you have a straw coming out of a pouch. You have to clamp the straw. Otherwise, you have to clamp the straw shut. And it, it won't yeah. happen fast, but eventually over time, you'll start to see a large bubble at the top and if you're not watching it then that can fall off so wow so the bubble appears at the top of the straw mm-hmm. and then i guess you can kind of oh i've seen yeah, it. then you can play with it, you can play with it. <laughs> yeah okay so i but eating though i guess you know we talked about making and, and eating but we didn't really talk about the actual process of eating so when Correct. you open up a package is the food flying out or does it stick to the inside of the package so surface tension will keep the food in the package it'll keep okay. it um on the the fork um they all have metal utensils that they use um mm. and they just clean them with wipes after they're done with um okay. with a food product because they're you can't have free water they can't wash dishes but they can they can sanitize and clean them but um the sense. overall experience is a little different because number one your food is floating and then you're floating in space yeah and so when we package food um we use velcoins on the back of every product and that's so that you can literally stick it to the wall and your food doesn't float away uh, and okay. so if you're um say you're snacking while you're doing something else um you have your food product there you have your beverage there and it's stuck to one place you can't just sit it on a table and walk away like we have that luxury here on Earth, um, your product will be somewhere else, <laughs> somewhere right. else in the space station. So that's interesting. So you put a the you call it a velcoin? Yeah, this a small a vel- velcro um, coin. Oh, okay, it's and like a circular. Okay, so then it sticks to that, and then the food is inside the package just because right. of surface tension. Right, so and it'll stay in the package, and it just makes sure that your food is where you left it uh, <laughs> when you okay. turn your back. So and then whenever you're scooping it out with a your uh, fork or spoon or whatever, mm-hmm. it's it's not sticking just because you know when you think about uh, uh, soup is the first thing that comes to mind. You scoop mm-hmm. your soup, and it stays at the bottom of the spoon because of gravity but, yes but if you're scooping you know i, I don't know if they probably don't have soup but do they have soup? no they have a number of soup items do they really yeah, have, they have soup? soup all right some of them um have solid pieces in them and so they eat them with a spoon and then we have a couple of them that are um it, it's just more of a broth and so you can drink those with the straw all so right. they have a number of soup products and does it stick to the to the it sticks to the food the no spoon. way yep. it sticks yep. to the spoon yep. that's really cool <laughs> awesome all right I, I have so many more questions i want to make sure that i get them all um 
okay, so you're sticking it to the wall, and they have like a. I'm 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 throwing up some air quotes here. So a dinner table, right? It's really just a table that's kind of diagonally against a wall, but they have like tape and and Velcro on it, right? Yeah, so, so that you they can, can stick your food product stick down. Stick their food down. And it's it's a, still a communal um, experience. Um, no one wants to eat alone, so sure. unless they decide to, we don't dictate that. Sometimes but, um, they're busy, right? Yeah, they're just sometimes kinda, they're just yeah. busy. But I mean, it it is set up to, so that they can at least have the um the community aspect of eating together, right. breaking bread together. All so. just yeah, breaking bread. <laughs> yeah, just all having a meal together. That's yeah. pretty awesome. Okay. Um, do you notice that they eat together more often, or do they kind of just rush eat uh, more often? You know that? I actually don't know. I oh, don't know if they um, ch- choose to do it one way or another. And I imagine that it will pro- depend on their schedule as well as the crew member that's themselves. True. I've seen some times where they have an experiment that's too vital that kind of bleeds over into their lunchtime, mm-hmm. and so their lunchtime is pushed mm-hmm. pushed to a different time, and it doesn't overlap with other crew members. Yeah, so they so, don't always eat together. So they don't always. And I, and I, was, you know, I was just curious on what they, what they do in those instances. I'm assuming they just like... You know, they they rehydrate their package, go do some work, come get their package, eat along the way. So just a normal day at the office. Just a normal day. <laughs> I've had those days. It's just crazy. <laughs> I, I noticed, you know, some astronauts when I was talking to them, they sometimes they just take that stuff for granted, right? Like, right. Um, I forget who was saying it, but this is not necessarily food, but obviously, you know, you're you're floating your food over on the side and working, and you just you're not really thinking about it. But right. your fl- your food is floating right <laughs> next to you. It, it's just I guess you you know you, eventually you get in a groove and you're up there. For for so long that you just uh, I, there was one astronaut talking about working out and uh you know the ared the advanced resistive exercise the thing that simulates weightlifting right um it's it's right it's positioned right i guess if you were looking at the the configuration of the international space station above uh the cupola okay so when you're working out and doing bench presses you just see the earth right uh, right down like it's a beautiful r- sight above you i guess it depends on yeah and they they're, they're taking it for granted they're like oh man this workout's really hard and there's and, earth it, again and there's earth oh i've seen that one before you know right. i'm sure that not all of them are like that but they, there comes a point where you you know you're doing the same thing they're working out two and a half hours a day yeah every single day so eventually you know things get a little bit more repetitive yeah. and i can understand them but still very very cool very cool they work but, out a lot so they have to eat a lot they, they eat do. a lot more than you would on earth so oh they do their calories are increased they, they have more calories on average and a lot of that has to do with the fact that they're working out so much and oh. then um also it takes a little bit of energy to stay upright in zero gravity um we take for granted that when we sit in a chair we're going to be sitting upright whereas they're constantly bobbing and weaving That's and so true. they have to exert that energy to stay upright there's gravity. no real sitting right they kind of like they kind of hook their feet underneath one of those handrails right and then they have to yeah you're right they're bobbing and because they're not going to stay in one position unless they kind of get their footing right Right. Yeah. Interesting. Huh. Do you notice that they come down? Um, I guess this is kind of subjective, but do they come down in better shape than they went up or worse shape? Or how does that change? Um, it kind of depends on the person. So um, NASA in general, they take the health of the astronaut very seriously. Of and so um, that is part of the reason why they, they work out so much. That's a combat muscle loss as well as bone loss. Sure. And so um, they probably work out more than they would maybe on Earth, depending on the person. Mm-hmm. Um, we try to make sure that their food is nutritionally sound. So if you're someone who's not constantly paying attention to your diet before going into space, it'll be an improvement for you. Mm-hmm. But a lot of them are already very health conscious. So it just it really depends on the person and what state they were in before. But in general, we don't notice those changes as much as we used to in the past. So. I guess that's good, right? Because then it's, there's there's not really negative effect. Well, there's you're you're 
you're you have countermeasures against those negative effects. Right, right. right. So you're you're eating healthy, you're exercising regularly, so you come down and to make sure that you're in in reasonably good health when you come back. And that's that's an overall mission of the the space program to make sure that um, there aren't lasting effects of going into space. And obviously, the more that we have astronauts in space, the more we learn and we try to combat those those effects. But right, and the International Space Space Station is perfect for that. Right, it's like a big you know it's a laboratory that you get to practice this over and over, and then if you go do another mission, then you're well prepared because right. you have all of this data from collected from uh, from the International Space Station. Right. Very cool. All right, well, Takia, I think that's about all the time we have. Uh, for the listeners, if you want to know more, have a suggestion on what we should talk about, stay tuned until after the music uh, to learn how to submit those ideas. Takia, thank you so much no, for coming for on. Always me. a pleasure talking to you. Space food is one of my favorite things to talk about. And uh, I know we were just talking beforehand, but we might have to do another episode on the history of space food. That, that, that would be very interesting. Awesome. <laughs> yes. Okay, and I'm sure there's more, so we'll do another episode. But uh, thank you again. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Hey, thanks for sticking around. So today we talked with Dr. Takia Sermons about space food. And the space food that they uh, make is mostly, right now, well, almost entirely, for the International Space Station. Uh, And you can see some of the pictures that some of the astronauts share uh, of the food that they're eating on the International Space Station by uh, going to nasa.gov slash ISS. Uh, We have a lot of uh, blog posts and photos that we release regularly. Some of them are about space food, but you can also learn what's going on aboard the International Space Station, like uh, what experiments they're doing and some of the latest updates on uh, what's being uh, done aboard. Uh, On social media, we're very active. On Facebook, it's International Space Station, Twitter, at space underscore station, and on Instagram, is at ISS. If you use the hashtag AskNASA on any one of those platforms and submit an idea or maybe a question for the show, uh, we'll make sure to address it in a later episode of Houston We Have a Podcast. Uh, This podcast was recorded on July 5th, 2017. Thanks to Alex Perryman, John Stoll, and Bill Jeffs. And thanks again to Dr. Takia Sermons for coming on the show. We'll be back next week.